All right, take two, part two, here we go. Hopefully comments are enabled now. I restricted the video to eight people 18 plus. For some reason, I think it's gonna allow the chat to come back. I think if you don't, if you make your videos for kids, they don't want kids seeing like crude stuff in the comments. So it's probably why they just did that. So jump back in and let me know if you can actually get in the comments. Um, I think it's actually working. Someone jump in and, and tell me that it is actually indeed working. Uh, it's gonna take a second obviously to fire up, but as I was talking about just a second ago on the previous live stream, you know what the secret is to ensuring, there we go, people are jumping in, people are able to get on now. You know what it was? I clicked um, a lot suitable for under 18 and that was a mistake. I guess normally I'm supposed to make my videos for 18 plus if you wanna have a chat log. So now you know, don't make videos for kids because kids can't have chat logs. Who would've known? Uh, now we know. What's talking about the secret, right? The secret is spending less. And how do you spend less? The first thing is housing. You've gotta find a way to rent or house hack. That's key during this time, is getting your spending down. You don't wanna be burning at a higher rate than you're earning. And in times of recession, people's earnings temporarily go down. Temporarily, remember, if you're affected by this virus in some way, you will be okay. It's gonna be just fine. Hey everyone. Um, good to see you on. I'm glad I can actually see the comments going. We were rolling for like 10 minutes there and there was no comments and I could see all the people watching. So I knew there was something wrong with the comments. So check out part one. This is part two. We're talking about the secret to surviving in a recession. And we're talking about the secret to thriving and doing really well through these economic recession times. And the secret is this, learning to live way below your means. I'm talking finding ways, if you make a hundred grand a year, finding ways to live on 20% or 30% of that and taking the rest and throwing it into the stock market right now, throwing it into real estate. It's a beautiful thing. If you're, if you're getting killed in the stock market right now, remember, everything is on sale. It's only killed because you paid full price before and now everything's 50% off. Where Boeing was trading at, you know, a couple of hundred, was it almost $400 a share, went down to $90 a share. It was a smashing buy. I hope people picked that up when they saw it. Or, uh, you know, people were following the bank stocks. We watched bank stocks go from, you know, $90 a share down to $49, $45 a share here, the big five banks in Canada. We're at a deep, deep discount. And the banks are too big to fail. The Canadian government will bail them out. So I'm feeling like these were relatively safe energy stock plays like Enbridge and, and utility companies. They're doing just fine. They make a spread no matter what the price of, of natural gas is. They're selling it all to the houses. None of the houses are gonna cut off their gas, right? Everyone's gonna pay their gas bill or their hydro bill. So utility companies are gonna do huge. They're gonna do really well. I think it's a, it's a great time to buy. Every dollar you can save now is worth 10 when you retire. If you're my age, if you're like 26, 27, 28, 30, 35, 20, 18 watching this, 40, 45, every dollar you invest now, by the time you're 65 or 70, is multiple factors higher than it was when you invested it. So every dollar you're investing now is on sale. You should double down. Now is the time to dollar cost average. Now is the time to buy more shares, to buy more property. It's gonna get even better, I think, from a real estate perspective, as the discount kind of wades in, as tenants stop paying, landlords go underwater, as you know, Airbnb, the market's very, it's dynamic, it's changing, so there's a lot less of the vacationing rentals right now. So those people, three, four, five months from now are really gonna suffer. The commercial real estate sector is gonna get destroyed. I'm, I've already been bearish on commercial real estate for a long time. I don't believe in office buildings and I honestly think that people are moving online. I think people are moving on online sales. They don't need the retail space anymore. They don't need the office locations anymore because people can work from home. I'm a strong believer in residential real estate. So like apartment buildings, duplex, triplex, that sort of thing. I think there's a huge space um, for that going forward. The population's growing. We need places to house people. 
But um, I love it. I love all the comments coming in here. I'm excited to jump in and, and dig into them, right? That's what we do in the second half of the show. And so I'm just giving a, a bit of time for people to jump in their, their comments and questions. Uh, if you're on the first video, hopefully you could find your way to the second video. I think it ended and opened this one up. So yeah, we're chilling in my basement, by the way. If you didn't catch part one, go check part one out. Um, we were going live. We were just doing it. It was a kid-friendly stream. And so the chat was shut off, but I canceled that and re-uploaded a new stream. The other one's still there for playback, I believe, but stay on this one because we're live right now. I'm in my basement. We're chilling. Um, it's a walkout basement. So I have the privilege of like over eight foot ceilings and tons and tons of natural light. Feels like the main floor uh, because of the topography or geography of my lot. It's like a hill. So the back of my house, I've got this awesome triple tier deck and my, uh, my lower tenants, my mentees have the opportunity to have a walkout basement with lots of natural light, which is a huge uh, advantage for, uh, for renting it out and for house hacking. The idea with house hacking, and that is the secret, I think, that's like the shh, housing is like really expensive right now. People are like pretending that they're being crippled by the fact that they have to pay their rent. And like, I don't wanna be cold or calloused or like mean, but I, at the bottom of my heart, feel for these people. But at the same time, it's almost like, there's a, there's a couple of fables or like parables I used to listen to when I was a kid about, and I'm trying to think of the right one that perfectly meets it, but basically like the guy who doesn't plan for the future, like the prodigal son who blows through all their money, comes back and gets all the help. If you can't pay your rent right now, it's because you've been financially irresponsible. Fact. If you don't have six months emergency fund right now, you've been financially irresponsible. If you have a new iPhone or Samsung phone right now and you can't pay your rent, that's a problem. If you have a car that's five years or newer right now and you can't pay your rent, that's the problem. If you've been on tons of vacations right now and you have no savings, that's the problem. People are spending and they've been spending at a much higher rate than they can afford to sustain and they've not been saving for a rainy day. And you're not alone if you're in this, you know, if you're in this, I guess, one thirds or two thirds of North Americans who are living paycheck to paycheck, you can make a change, right? Um, at, at the end of the day, like there's economic circumstance that happens. Like my wife's been laid off work before. We went for six months without without her working for a time. I remember I got really sick when I was working on my rental properties. It wasn't an excuse. I had savings enough to be sick for a few months. Like I planned for this, right? Um, and maybe I'm a bit being a bit harsh, but like I have, in, in seven years, I was able to save 45 years of living expenses. So I'm pretty sure you should be able to, in a seven or 10 year period, be able to save five or 10 years of living expenses. If you can't put one year's living expenses aside, you were living way too high on the hog, or you weren't working hard enough, as in you weren't working full time. If you're working full-time at a minimum wage job, you make $26,000 a year here in Canada. If you make $26,000 a year, there's no excuse not to save $5,000 a year. I have lots of friends who work at Tim Hortons who are saving 10, 20% of their paycheck. My own brother works at uh, Little, Little Caesars and he saves 25% of his paycheck without any help from anyone. He rents a room, he sustains himself. I'm actually really proud of my brother. I wish he would get into real estate. I wish he would follow in my footsteps. I offered him a property actually um, just to get him into it and he just didn't have an interest in doing that at all. And that's, that's him. I don't want to like trash his lifestyle or whatever. He has like frugal hobbies. He likes to hang out with friends, play guitar and game and stuff. But anyway, this isn't about him. The point is he works a minimum wage job here in Canada. My brother's been able to save thousands of dollars. His emergency fund is huge. He can pay his rent for the next several months. He's a minimum wage worker. All he did was apply the principles of fire to his life. There are many friends I have who are in the same circumstances or better on minimum wage jobs. People working 35 hours a week, 30 hours a week at a minimum wage job are saving money. So what's your excuse? That, that, that's all I gotta say. I think, I think 
If you follow me on Facebook, follow me on Instagram, you know that I've been getting a lot of heat from a lot of tenants and tenant groups and, and shit like that coming at me and be like, landlord should offer free housing during this time. I'm like, so what about the grocery stores? Why aren't you demanding free food? Why don't you just riot in the streets and take whatever you want? You have to pay for the services that you're using. If you go take food, you have to pay for it. If you rent somewhere, there's expenses, there's property taxes, there's utilities, hydro, water, gas, um, reliance probably if you rent hot water tanks, there's maintenance on the property that's degrading constantly, the roof's degrading, you're walking on the floors, they're degrading, the paint's being chipped, all of that is happening all the time, the building's depreciating, right? Those are all real tangible costs. You have insurance costs, you have probably rental licensing costs and things like that. There's so many costs, the mortgage is such a small percentage of all the real costs of real estate. Even if you got your mortgage deferred right now, which I'm not doing any mortgage deferrals right now, you know why? Because the lenders are gonna see that you took the mortgage deferral now, when you go to apply for debt later, it's gonna be a box against you later, right? Take it, if, and plus, I also just feel like if you don't actually need it, don't take it. So I'm not gonna take it to boost my cash flow. That's irresponsible. There are people who actually need to defer their mortgage right now who have only one house that they live in and they're really suffering. So don't take advantage of the moral of the, uh, the mortgage deferrals if you don't need it. I think that's, that's irresponsible. Um, at the same time, there's a government stimulus in Canada right now, which is making me even, I, I'm actually happy it's happening because I'd rather that than riding on the streets, but they're giving away $2,000 Canadian a month per person. Even if you drove Uber Eats, even if you didn't, you're unemployed, you can have $2,000. So if each person get two grand, two roommates could find a one bedroom apartment and have $4,000 coming together that they could pay their food and pay their rent. This whole, I can't pay any rent, I'm not gonna pay any rent movement is bullshit. Um, the government is offering money to you so you can pay your rent. It isn't so you can go get booze, smokes, and drugs and then go on a rent strike. This is gonna catch up with tenants in a big way. And this is a hard time right now. So at the same time, I'm offering rent deferral plans to my tenants. I'm allowing them to pay interest-free rent deferral. They can pay it when they can. I'm offering all that flexibility because I'm trying to be flexible with people. But at the same time, I feel like trying to get free rent makes no sense. Like that's a socialist communist movement that leads to basically chaos. You can't steal things. And there has to be rewards, or not rewards, uh, punishment associated with theft, criminal charges and jail time. That, that's what happens if you steal anything. You steal food, you steal whatever, right? Um, the reason I didn't give 10% off rent is I think that's that's too big of a blow to take from the business perspective. And there's a lot of tenants who are, of mine who are working now, all the nurses and the doctors and all those people who are working right now, they have lots of money. They have more money than ever. They're picking up more shifts than ever and they can afford to pay. It's not affecting them financially at all right now. And so to offer 10% across the board discount, I think is an unfair um, business decision. If I had commercial properties or something, I might work with them. At the same time, my tenants who actually can't pay, who show me that they're actually laid off right now and they're only getting the $2,000 stimulus, I'm working with them. I'm like, let's do half now, set up a payment plan, interest-free, pay when you can, we'll take some of your last month's rent or something, we'll, we'll make something work. I've been very flexible in working with people. I don't think the discount, there's no nothing that warrants the discount. Why should, why, like my mortgage isn't being discounted at all, my property taxes aren't being cut, my hydro bills aren't being cut, my gas isn't being cut, my property taxes aren't being cut, no one's giving me any break anywhere. It'd be great if the government came out and said, hey, property taxes are down, hydro's down, gas is down, water's down, none of that's down. In fact, in some cases, <laughs> things are actually more expensive than they were before, right? So it's, anyway, um, that's my little rant. I'm getting off my my, uh, my soapbox, I guess. And let's, do, let's go to live Q&A and I'll probably go on another tangent here anyway with one of these questions, so. Cool, looks like it's working. Perfect, there we go. 
So you lost $87,000. Grandizer says, I lost $87,000 US in the stock market. I was gonna put a down payment on a home in Western Ontario. That's, that's unfortunate, man, that sucks. I feel you in that like, I've also lost tens of thousands of dollars in the stock market. But I'm comforted in the fact that I know everything is on sale right now. And so I'm gonna pour more money into the stock market. I'm gonna continue to work and continue to save. And so that's what I'd recommend you do as well is continue to work and continue to save. And just know that the peaks of our last bull market will hit again in about six years, at the six, seven years, worst case scenario. So all that money you have, $87,000, if it was diversified properly across many different stocks, it will come back. We know that with 2008, 2001, the, the you know, dot-com bubbles, the late 80s, every recession ever within seven years has been a full recovery on average. Some companies fail, but if you had a large enough portfolio of many different companies or you bought index funds, those will come back. If you're diversified, the overall economy will come back. That is what we know with absolute certainty. And if we know with absolute certainty that the market is going to come back, right? What do we do? We buy. We buy when it's on sale because we know for an absolute fact, three to five years from now, everything will be recovered on average. And so now is the time to buy. I don't know what the bottom is. I can't tell you that it's not going to crash another 20% when we see all the fiscal reports of all these companies that are basically going to go under. There's a lot of hotel related, tourism related, restaurant related type businesses or oil related type businesses right now that are getting slammed. And we see their fiscal quarters two quarters from now, we're gonna see a lot of companies that are, that are extremely underwater. And if they didn't have the cash liquidity to hold through those losses, they might go belly up, right? And so there, there will be companies that go bankrupt through this. And there will be opportunities to buy at significant discounts. I don't think the blood is out in the water yet. We've seen that. We've, the volatility right now has been crazy in the market. We've seen way high up days, and way low days, right? But what we do know is that long-term, there will be recovery. That is the most important part, is that we know that is happening, that is coming, and there's a discount on everything we're buying right now. And so the biggest thing you can do, no matter what the market is, ha is happening in the market, save. Work, save. Work hard right now and save. So find ways to be productive. If you're off right now and you actually legitimately can't work because your company shut down, get online and find ways to earn passive income online or active income. Hell, you could be a, there's websites where you can transcribe. People have done oral like audio videos and you just literally type it for them and you get paid like 20 bucks an hour. Learn a new skill. Take this time to, uh... Mike, I saw something pop up, said Mike. Just check in. I'm not sure who this person is, but Belinsky, the name doesn't sound familiar. Sounds like a troll. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I'll get the questions answers here in a second. Okay, back to the top. So you lost 87,000, that was the last question we left off on. It's really unfortunate, like, but just remember that it's gonna come back. Now's the time to double down. If you lost, you know, $80,000, I mean, you went from like a $200,000 portfolio to a $100,000 portfolio because there's been a 50% decline in the market. Probably you weren't diversified enough, but anyway, that aside, if you took that much of a dip, you probably weren't diversified enough, but let's just say now you're, you can buy in and be diversified. Buy ETFs that own hundreds of different companies, right? The secret is every dollar you invest now is worth two later. So if you can just scrape away 10 or $20,000 right now, that's the most important thing. Be frugal, save, and invest all of that, uh, all that extra savings now. Now is the time to pair back. Now is the time for not the newest iPhone, to sell the second car, to sell the stuff in storage. 
it's the time to create cash, find ways to create cash in your life through working, through selling stuff, and then investing on the stock market. That's, that's the key thing. But Okay, next question. I lost my spot. Hang on, I gotta scroll up. Okay, I found it. Uh, hey, Sony, how you doing? Good to see you on. Will Affleck, yeah, I know it's unfortunate. I agree with you. Uh, the next one is Ilya says, do you think parts of Brantford is a sleeper for renting? Um, do I think some parts of Brantford? I'm not quite sure how that question is, is worded. I mean, Brantford has people, like there's a lot of unoccupied stuff there too. There's a lot of rental stuff there too. I don't really know, the, I don't understand the question there. Um, what property management software do you use? So I don't do any property management at all. Port City Trading Desk. Um, I don't manage any properties at all. I have a property management company. I actually have like two that I work with that manage the properties for me. So I don't deal directly with any tenants. I have like four or five properties of my own that are like ones I've had for a long time with amazing tenants in them. And those are the only people that I will text directly. And they are amazing people that like I have a personal relationship with. And so those people are like, I consider my tenants. I do technically have a portfolio of properties in the company that I own with partners um, that are then managed by a property management company. So I don't even know what's going on there, to be honest. I'm sure there's a large percentage that aren't going to be paying rent. Um, again, I, I have never had a direct conversation with a lot of those tenants, so I don't know. But um, yeah, it's gonna be a hard time. Our property management company, I'm sure, is working diligently to try and uh, to get those rents. The, the, the truth is, like, it's a business and you gotta, you gotta budget for these times, there are gonna be times where you're gonna to have to go a few months now without paying and it's gonna come out of our pockets as landlords, it's not fair, it's not right. Um, I think the government should step in and, and directly pay to the landlords to provide for the housing in the same way that they're directly paying for food for the tenants this time. They shouldn't allow the tenants to spend it how they want because they're gonna just rent strike and then the problem is four or five months from now when the tenants have blown all their money and they haven't, they put it on rent strike but they didn't save the rent so they blew it all and then when it comes time to pay the rent, they're getting an N4 notice, right, on the second or third. And then eventually the tribunal is gonna open up and these people are gonna get evicted because they fell five, six months behind. What I know, the data suggests that when tenants or people fall behind, they never catch up. It's just like humans suck at catching up. We, if you give someone a bunch of money, they spend it until they run out of money. And that's their stop loss, is like when they run out. So if you gave them their rent that they have to pay you and they held onto it, they won't be able to hold onto it. They'll blow through those savings, right? They'll find a way to spend it. On average, like people just on average are terrible savers. And so I think this is gonna create a big mess because tenants are already on average, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't wanna go like down, I don't wanna cross any lines here. And like, there are a lot of great tenants too. They're good tenants and they're bad tenants. So I have a lot of great tenants that I have a lot of respect for. They're great people that, and, and to my, in my opinion, a good tenant is someone who takes good care of your unit and pays their rent. Um, that is the definition of a good tenant, someone who, lives in the property, doesn't cause a lot of drama for other tenants. They take good care of the unit that they live in and they pay their rent. That, that is by definition a good customer, a good tenant for, for a landlord. But um, okay, let's go up here and go on the next question. Hey Mike, is this the ideal time to enter the real estate market or would you wait a few months? Um, hmm, it's a good question. It depends on which market you're talking about. There are, it's interesting, a friend of mine actually sold a condo today for $30,000 over asking. And the condo was overpriced to begin with, in my opinion. Um, so here in London, we're seeing, there was like six, seven offers on a property went way over asking. My market here isn't affected. Real estate's doing well. There are a lot of investors who are like, hey, interest rates are low. It's a great time to get in and buy. 
um, who are doubling down and taking advantage of this opportunity because a lot of people have cold feet. They're like just waiting and seeing what happens, right? So for those savvy investors who are like still hungry at this time or that pent up demand from the last six months, of, like, there were some properties with 40 and 50 offers. There's still a lot of those people who are looking for investment properties. Those people are bullish. And those investors tend not to be affected by this uh, coronavirus near as much as what um, you might think. They still have the pile of cash in their account that they want to deploy. They still qualify for the mortgage. And so the only thing is like whether or not the tenants are gonna pay, their, pay them rent. So there's a bit of uncertainty there, but for the people who are willing to get up there and do that, or for the person who wants to live in the property, right? If you wanna go move into a house, now's the time um, to, to do that, right? Like now's the time to find a deal. There's not a lot of competition because everyone's you know, quarantined. So there can be opportunities to invest in real estate right now. I'm not gonna say, I buy real estate in any market. I buy real estate in the boom, I buy real estate in the bust. I wanna buy more real estate in the bust, but obviously credit is tighter. There's not as much money to go around. Um, it's just like people are, are more bearish at that time, right? So it's harder to get the borrowed money, that sort of thing. So in, in a you know in a bear market, I would say I want to buy more, but it's harder to buy more. So I, I buy any time, and the reason for that is that there are anomalies in every single market all the time. In the highest highs of the bull markets, when I was seeing sixty offers on properties, I was finding people who were bringing me bird dog deals for properties that were selling for seventy cents on the dollar. Some people just don't know or don't wanna participate in the MLS. They, don't, they just wanna sell privately. And they have a price in mind, that's what they want. They're happy, they want their certain terms, their certain conditions, they want no one to go through their house, and they're happy to sell for whatever they wanna get. And so that type of deal is there in any market. And so in any market, I would buy real estate, um, to answer your question. But is there a better time to buy? Yeah, probably when things are crashing. So buying right before a crash, obviously not the best time to buy, but Remember that if you dollar cost average and keep buying in the crash, you'll be just fine. Um, because in the long term, five years from now, you'll have averaged a great price because you bought a lot of stuff during the recession as well. So that's my, my thought. If you're buying real estate right now, buy for cash flow. So buy properties that are gonna cash flow well. And interestingly, I guess this is an opinion that I haven't heard anyone on the real estate community talk about, but the A and B plus properties do really, really well right now. So I know a lot of friends of mine who invest in the C rentals. Like I'm talking the garbage stuff with the trashy tenants that's not maintained well, like the garbage property. Think of like your, your A tenant is like your, your granite counters, your stainless steel, everything's immaculate. You're targeting a tenant who's rich, like a, a wealthy tenant who's choosing to rent, they could own, but they're choosing to rent, or they have, you know, whatever reason they're gonna move in two years, so they don't wanna be tied down. That A level property with the A level tenant in it, that, is gonna do well in a recession. That tenant can afford to pay you for a year without their job. They have the savings set up, right? You've screened them well. The A pro my A properties are not affected at all. With my excellent tenants, they're all paying rent. I actually sent a message, I was like, hey, I sent a long message to all my tenants. Like, If you message me on Instagram, I'll copy and paste it to you if you want. Um, but I sent a long message to all of my personal tenants that I deal with. So my property manager, I don't know if they end up sending up the message or not, I don't know, because we've got like 100 tenants that, that they manage. Um, but the tenants that I personally manage in my couple of my personal rental properties from way back, like I just have a good rapport with the property um, and I didn't want to give it over to a property management company because I actually knew the tenants personally and I wanted them to be able to, they already have my number anyway, so I figured I'll keep managing. For those smaller properties, um, I have more flexibility. Those tenants have been great. I sent them this long message and I said, look, you know, here are the resources available. If you're unemployed right now, there's a $2,000 stimulus. Here's a link to apply for it. I'm offering interest-free deferral if you need it, but only if you really need it. Because I need, if you have the money to pay, you should pay now. You're gonna to have to pay anyway. You know, why would you 
there's no need to not pay rent if you have the money, right? And all my, a lot of my tenants were reaching out and like, hey, I don't know if I can make the rent, but I'm gonna pay you like 90% of it. Or most of my tenants that were A quality were like, no, I have the rent, don't worry about it. It's all good. I don't want it to affect my credit score. I'm, I'm, you know, I have great credit. I'll, I'll just send you the rent, no problem. Thank you, thank you so much, Mike, for offering the interest-free deferral, but I don't need to take advantage of that. Save that for your tenants who really need it. The A properties and the A tenants at the top of the market, they're just fine. Um, so something to think about if you're investing in real estate right now. Don't buy the D property. And by D, I mean like the garbage fourplex with like prostitutes and drug dealers in it. You're not getting rent from any of those people. They're buying drugs before they're paying you, right? And they're gonna use this, they're gonna ride on this coronavirus thing for like four or five months until you eventually evict them because they're never gonna have money to catch up and they're gonna end up being evicted. So the D property right now, as a landlord, from a business perspective, like forget emotions aside, forget like the heart that I have. I believe that there should be a government stimulus. I think that I'd be willing to pay more tax during this time to ensure that the people at the very bottom of society have a safety net, that their rent and food is paid. Um, I don't have a, like a black heart or anything. I, I actually do feel for these people and I want them to have, you know, I, I want them to have, you know, a good, decent living at this time. I don't want them living in my buildings. Um, the, the bottom, the drug dealers and the prostitutes, I don't want to discriminate, I can't say that, but like by and large, the drama associated with that costs a lot of money as a landlord and it's also hard to manage. Um, and, and by and large, what I've seen is that the data suggests that people who don't have money in times of recession, they have even less money and they can't pay their rent. So something to think about um, when you're trying to buy property in this recession, think about the tenant profile now more than ever, tenant screening, credit score, you know, um, what do they have? They have savings. What kind of job do they have? Those, those sorts of things without legally discriminating. Just be careful. You are super selective in this time. Oh, geez. Let's go up here and get these questions. Hey Mike, what are your thoughts on developers going underwater on people being unable to close properties with tightened lending, unemployment or lower appraisals? Um, Developers will go underwater, that's a fact. Um, tighten lending, unemployment, lower uh, appraisals. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be hard. If you, if you don't have cash flow in real estate right now, you have a commercial real estate portfolio, or you're a land developer, or you hold land, or anything like that doesn't service the debt for you, it's gonna be hard right now. Um, if you have a portfolio of like crappy rental properties with a bunch of bad tenants in it, um, it's gonna be hard for you right now because they're not gonna have any money. Like Those people who are just barely scraping by, they're definitely not gonna have the rent, right? Um, at the end of the day, it's just something you have to think about. You have to, when you're buying real estate, just think about, hey, what position do I want to be in? I have land development right now that I'm just finishing, like servicing all the lots and things like that. So it's important, I think, at the end of the day to build in a level of liquidity. I can carry my projects until we have liquidity six months from now. And that's the important thing is that I've kept liquidity through these times. We don't want to be like Grant Cardone, who's having like the whole collapse and following his stuff. Um, I don't know what's going to happen there, but people who are in that bigger space who over levered and didn't have cash reserves and whom didn't have good cash flowing um, portfolios, it's going to be a hard time right now. And I feel for those people. I hope this recovery is, is quick. May, maybe now is not the best time to sell because there's, there's just no liquidity in, in real estate. People aren't, you know, by and large wanting to buy large developments right now. So on average, you're just not seeing that, right? So that's something to think about too at the end of the day. Okay. Let's see if I can get up here. I don't know who that tenant was there. Jeff something, Blinsky. Control tenant. 
Yeah, they, uh, I see those comments at the bottom. Yeah, I have a property near Disney and it's, it's doing terribly right now. The hotel industry is being destroyed. Anything in, in the restaurant industry is being destroyed. Um, we have vacancy in our property right now. I, I have the mansion if you've been following down there. And uh, yeah, it's gonna, be, it's gonna be tough the next couple of months. We're gonna take the opportunity to renovate the property once people are back to work. And uh, then people will travel again. Disney will reopen. Universal Studios will reopen. I'm confident that long-term everything will be just fine, right? And that it's not gonna be a big deal. We're gonna have a situation where there'll be a rebound and a bounce. And short term, it's gonna be painful, but long term, we're gonna be in a position where it's fine. What you can do is if you own a loser, you could double down at the bottom of the, like let's say you bought a, a, something right before the, the, the crash, like the minute before, the top of the peak, right? Just remember that you can always buy at the, at the trough too. Um, you, don't, you can average. So if you bought one property at the peak, buy two more now over the next year in the trough, and your overall average is still super low, right? You've brought your overall average cost of stock, of property, whatever you bought down, right? So this to me is an opportunity. I'm, I'm happy because at the end of the day, I, have, I still have a lot of cash reserves and I have a lot of wealth. And let's not forget, my burn rate is super low. Unlike Uncle G Grant Cardone, I watch my pennies, I pinch them hard. I'm frugal to the bone. So while I keep working during this time, I'm building a war chest that I can invest and turn into two or three war chests over this recession. It's, it's overall all good. Um, you can't win in business without taking a little bit of risk. And so I think that, you know, it's important that during this time we realize that we need to be keeping costs lean. We need to keep our cost control under wraps. We need to make sure that we're not overspending. This isn't the time to dump money into your business. This isn't the time to, you know, get too crazy. We've got to keep our costs low, keep things lean, and then invest every extra dollar we can, especially in our personal lives. Um, now more than ever. Okay, next question. I agree it's not free money, it's money to pay your expenses, exactly. Hey Mike, um, is it the ideal time to enter the real estate market? Alex says, so many people expect landlords just forgive rent during these times. I'm just like, why didn't you just save? 100% Alex, I feel like it's, <laughs> it's like when someone goes, <laughs> you see this all the time, but like the prodigal son, right? It's the, the parable, the age old parable. Or do you think of like the guy who gets, you get give two people the same bowl of food. One guy just like wolfs it down, eats it all. And it's like, hey, I'm starving. The other guy eats half and then saves half like six hours later. He still has half. Now the poor person who ate all their food, like it's unfortunate that it's a poor unfortunate situation, they ate all their food. Now they're gonna come and be like, hey, give me half of yours, man, you still have half a bowl of food. It's like, we had the same amount of food to start, you just squandered yours and ate it all. Um, it's just, they've done human psychologies. I, I used to study psychology in, at Western and there was a, I'm trying to remember the study, but there was one that basically studied humans and what happens is like, those who have, even if they had the same amount to start with, the person who consumes all their resources wants what the other person has. It's just human psychology you want to take from someone who has. So that's why society is doing what they're doing. Um, but you're right, it is self-inflicted. It's mean and callous to say that, I guess, but is it when it's the truth? Like people don't have emergency funds because they were fiscally poor. They just, they weren't smart with their management of money. It's their own fault right now that they don't have any emergency fund. That's a cold callous thing to say, obviously, but it's true. And if you're one of those people, let's, let's get you on my channel. Let's get you learning how to save. So the next recession, or as you come out of this, you're coming out with a lot of emergency funds with savings, right? And that's gonna require work, but nothing good in life doesn't require work. So you have to work at anything that 
you get good at, right? And that is managing your money, that is learning how to earn more money, that's learning how to you know, save it, whatever. Um, it takes effort and that's, nothing's for free in life. If I went on here and said like, hey, you, know, you can become a millionaire for no work, like I'd be lying to you. Uh, I'm not that channel. I'm not gonna get on there and be like, here are my Lambo, just buy my course and you'll make millions. No, like personal finance is dead simple. The, the math is pretty simple behind it, but the psychology or the, I guess, diligence to follow through on that plan, that's the hard part. It's really hard um, to, to resist that, you know, temptation of a new car, resist that whatever it is that you, you know, hognaz every night, you gotta resist that. That's for me, that's a guilty pleasure, really bad at that, is resisting those temptations. But I, I trained myself for years to go without. And by going without, I now can go and basically not have to worry about a recession. So, um, sort of my thought. Let's do some rapid fire, because I've been on this for a bit here and I wanna, wanna get going fast. What would you wait to buy rental properties in Ontario? You know, Sony, it's it's tough. I think that if a deal pops up, buy it now. A lot of people aren't looking right now, so there are deals to be had right now. So look in the MLS, look around. There are wholesalers can't even get rid of some deals right now that are amazing. And when the confidence comes back and the uncertainty is gone, the volatility kind of uh, more flatlines a bit. What we're going to see is that I think the market's going to pick up again a little bit. There's going to be some down quarters and whatever. I don't know exactly how it's going to go, but with the stability of this, you know, the certainty of the economy starting back up again. I think we're gonna see investors wanting to pile back in and there's a lot of pent up people, or pent up demand wanting to buy real estate right now. So I think now's a good time to buy. There might be a better time to buy, I don't know. It could get better. The market could correct five or 10%, but do you care if you're buying cash flowing real estate? We don't, like that's not my philosophy. I don't, like, we don't try time the market. We try to get time in the market. The more time we can have in the market, the better. That's, that's my philosophy. If you can have 20 years in the market versus sitting on your cash for 19 years, way better. Um, better to have money invested now. Now more than ever, actually. And I was saying this a year ago, but now more than ever. Um, I think someone just popped in the comments. There's no way you don't understand what is going on here. DJ, I, I honestly do think the world is not going to come to an end um, three, four months from now things will be fine. There will be restaurants that'll close down, hotels that'll close down, but like by and large, people are still living places, people are still working. Um, it, we're not, the world isn't changing, it's killing like almost no one. So our population isn't changing. Are we gonna become more sanitary? I think, probably. Maybe we'll have like glass shields up at the banks and people have sanitizer everywhere. That'd be a great shift. I hope society adapts to the next virus. So we just live, like I've been going out and like doing whatever, going to the bank and stuff with sanitizer and wipes and stuff and taking gloves off. I've like been getting no germs into my body at all during this time because I'm so like sanitary, but I'm still conducting business. I'm going to all my rental properties, meeting contractors, going to the bank. I'm getting business done without, while maintaining social distancing um, entirely. So I don't think the world's gonna come to an end at all. And I think that we're gonna be just fine. Um, people are overreacting and I bet that this is gonna be just fine. So DJ, I think you might be wrong on that, but we'll see in five years. We'll see in five years. I think that regardless of what happens, I'm gonna be just fine because I'm super frugal and I've got a large nest egg that I continue to invest that pays dividends. And I think if you follow the fire principles, you'd be just fine too. Any of you guys who are watching, if you follow all the fire principles, you'd be just, just fine. Flexible is the word. Yes, flexible is the word. Great comment. Um, being flexible in this time with your customers, with your tenants, with whatever. 
Hey Mike, first time to post a question on here, you're awesome. Is it a bad idea? Hey, thank you, Wendy, appreciate that. Um, is it a bad idea to take some money from my HELOC and add to the cash I have right now to invest? Wendy, I think if your HELOC is at like two, three, four, five, under 6%, I think it's a great idea to take that money and put it into the stock market or buy more rental properties right now more than ever. You can buy utility type companies like Enbridge or a lot of other utility plays that are paying 9% dividends. And there's gonna be appreciation because they've been beat up 30, 40% down. And so long-term, people are gonna keep buying gas. Whatever the price of gas is, who cares? Because they make a spread on whatever the price of spot price of gas is, they make a spread on it selling it to you, the consumer. And our houses are all, like we have gas lines coming in that power our furnaces. We're gonna pay the gas bill no matter what. So that's a good example of a company that's 40% off right now and that pays a seven, eight, nine percent dividend um, for you. That dividend's an amazing opportunity for you to cover your interest on your HELOC so you can make money, pay the interest on your HELOC, and then have all that invested and grow, right? Um, someone says the economy is over leveraged with debt. I day trade and we have all been preparing for this. So DJ, I think that, um, and I used to day trade, and to be honest, like what I've found is that long-term day traders do not, um, they don't beat the market. Over a 20 year period, you will not beat the S&P 500 net of fees, you just won't. Um, the best hedge fund managers in the world on Wall Street don't beat the market consistently. So I know for a fact, um, there's no trader that can. Warren Buffett's one exception who beat it by a bit, but just buy the market. You can't buy and sell stocks and do better than the market. On average, over the long term, you'll probably make 10 or 12% um, is, my, is my view. Unless you're the top 1%, but um, that's, that's my thought anyway. Um, I think that we're not smarter than the market and I think that you know, long term, yes, we have a lot of debt and yes, like North Americans are, are over levered more than ever, but the government continues to print money. There's quantitative easing, right? To keep interest rates low. So people can continue to afford. I think that the population in general needs to be more frugal. We need to embrace fire and fire is catching on more now than ever and that's amazing. It's, I'm so happy that it is. Um, but I do, I do think that's what we need more of in our society. People need to start working harder and saving more. Fact, I get definitely saving more, less spending. Maybe all this economic reset of us being at home will teach us that we can cook our own food, that we don't need to go eat out all the time. We won't need to be reliant on, on eating out. Um, I'm hoping people will change their, their behaviors because the quarantine behavior, going for walks and bike rides and everything's closed down. So you can't, it's hard to spend money right now, um, which is great. It's what people need to get ahead, to get out of debt right now. So. I don't know, my thoughts are that like, if you can embrace this fire mentality, these fire principles, you'd be much, much further ahead. Um, okay, go back up to the questions here and keep going with the long question and answers. And I have to go do bedtime with my daughter. William says, what is an LL? I think he means landlord, I don't know. If you were to buy a rental property right now, do you think you'd be able to find a renter? Right now, everyone is practicing social distancing and 24 seven shelter in place. It is difficult, but not impossible to find a tenant right now. What I'm doing personally is taking pictures and taking, and I have my mentees doing this effectively. I don't, like that's low value stuff. I'm trying not to do a lot of my own tenant placing and things like that. But basically I take a camera, I do a video walkthrough and then post the video so that there's a virtual walkthrough of the unit. Now a tenant can see every inch of the apartment and they can make a decision without actually going to the property and seeing it. Um, but yeah, if you're gonna do a showing and you really have a serious tenant, you might do one showing to the person who's like 100% serious, uh, then you could go and you could say, hey, I'd go on in and you just wouldn't go in with them. Keep your social distancing, obviously use hand sanitizer, open the door up for them. They go in, tell them don't touch anything and they go out. And so you can like, you can avoid getting the coronavirus. I could probably get in contact with someone with corona and not get it by practicing social distancing, 
right? By ensuring that we use hand sanitizer and wipes and things like that to not get infected, just don't get too close to each other, right? And then you'll be safe. So that's that's the important piece right now is, is, is that. Okay, next question. Let's see here. Do you think some parts of Brant first, we did that question already. So Mike, I have 600,000 equity in three houses. I'm thinking of taking it out and putting it in the stock market. A good idea or buy more property? Will, I think both. I think taking the money out of your property and buying more properties is a great idea at this time. Uh, that money you can borrow at 3% and put it to work at 10 or 12%. That's a great use of the capital, especially during this time where we're gonna see discounts on stocks, discounts on, on real estate right now too. So there's, yeah, now's the best time to take your money and put it to use. If you have the 600 grand sitting there on your property, it's getting you a 3% appreciation. Why wouldn't you take it out and put it to better work? That's that's been my thoughts. So if your properties can self-sustain, if they have the, the cash flow to carry the debt, or you can find a way to invest the money so it'll carry the debt, that'd be the way to go. Hey Mike, what are your thoughts on developers? I talked about that already. Um, put it all in gold. When it goes on sale, the most money I made was ever in gold. So gold typically um, has underperformed the S&P 500. It is a store of value, it is a safe haven for your cash. You have a little bit of money in gold, but I feel like long-term gold only does well really in like times of uh, now, basically, um, volatility, right? So. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a big gold player. I, I don't try to trade. I don't try to speculate on stuff that doesn't cash flow. Gold doesn't cash flow. It's just, you have to sell the gold to someone else for more than you bought it for. And so you're speculating at the end of the day. Um, it is a store of value, but you're speculating. So I'm not bullish on gold, not bullish on cryptocurrency. It's not a business. You're just holding something that has values, perceived value and or util some utility value, but mostly perceived value, right? Some utility value in manufacturing and things like iPhones, they use gold, a little bit of gold. But for the most part, it has very little ETF, it has very little, um, I see that top five ETFs, has very little um, uh, real value. So I think that there's like what you call intrinsic value. There's not very much intrinsic value to those things. Like someone's decided that silver is less valuable than gold, right? Someone's perceived that like, bronze or whatever like there's tons of other metals copper why isn't copper more valuable right um why gold you know other than the utility value which doesn't justify the current price right now most of the price value of gold right now is because it used to back currencies it used to be a government store of value it no longer is in, in most countries um but it's a perceived value and if the perception ever changed or i read a paper that talked about like the perception of gold changing and that eventually if, if imagine cryptocurrency if no one thinks Bitcoin has value, it has no value. So all it takes is the, the change of mindset. That isn't the same for a business or a, you know, a property. Regardless of what someone thinks the property's worth, you're getting cash flow from it that pays your bills. There's no cash flow from gold, it's just sitting there. It's like, yeah. I just think that uh, it doesn't make sense. I think that you should buy cash flowing assets. That's it. Non-cash flowing assets won't pay your bills when the roosters come home to, uh, to roost. You're going on the sidelines. Um, so if I were to buy a rental property right now, do you think you'd be able to find a renter? I'd answer that. Yeah, I think you could find a renter and there's no reason to wait on the sidelines. It might, you might see three, four months from now some deals pop up. I think that's gonna happen. I'm excited for it in the fall. Um, some landlords are gonna be tired of all the bullshit and just wanna get out. You might get a deal. So there might be some private deals you can find. That'll be exciting. But I don't think the whole market is going to crash. No, I, I just don't believe that. I don't think the economy's hit that hard 
long-term because of this. This Q&A is absurd. It assumes all LLs are billionaires. So Anthony, no, I, I, like landlords are not, are not billionaires at all. I, I think that you know a lot of, the majority of landlords are small time and have one or two or three properties and they rely on that rental or maybe they have five or six properties and they rely on that rent to pay all their bills and then have a little bit left over to pay their own personal bills and to pay them for their time, right? All these tenants who are like, hey, I'm not gonna pay, how many of them are going to work and work an eight hour shift and then say, don't pay me, it's okay. No one works for free. Why should landlords work for free? And landlording is hard work. It's more laborious work than accounting or consulting. I've done those jobs, landlording is harder. It's a job. And yeah, you're providing basic services, just like you would be a manager at a grocery store providing a service, right? You're a good or whatever, right? You have to pay for the goods. So if you can pay your rent right now, you should. I think the government should step in. It shouldn't be on the, land, the small time landlords to cover the debts of these people who made bad financial decisions or these people who are honestly just suffering because of bad circumstance, you know, bad health, they got sick or something actually happened, right? And it's not always someone's fault. Very often it's usually someone's fault, but there's a small percentage of people who most of the time it's the camel that broke the, it's the straw that broke the camel's back and they get sick for two weeks and they're like, oh, that's why my life is ruined. And it was because they're making bad decisions their whole life. And now this one thing, like this one little thing that happened, tripped them over the edge and they blame that, but really it's just blame themselves and their bad decisions. But that's me taking, that's the accountability approach. Like if I ever end up on welfare, 100% I'd be like, hey, I'm gonna take accountability for it, one. Like I'm there because of my own fault. It's my decisions that got me there. And I truly believe your own decisions lead to your own um, results. And like luck is a lot of just hard work, right? Um, but yeah, the small landlords, I'm feeling for you. I used to be one too. So at the end of the day, I, I feel like landlords, they have a hard time right now. And it's gonna be a really hard time the next few months if you have those C and D class properties. If you have those A, a class properties with great tenants in them, you'll probably be okay. If you have Airbnb right now, you're gonna be getting crushed. Um, no one wants to travel right now. So with this quarantining, not a lot of people are traveling. The Airbnb guests that I'm seeing wanting to book are like, to be honest, the bottom of society. Um, like the prostitutes are still wanting to book. There's like the people who are just like getting together to party. They still, they don't care about the quarantine. So there's a lot of that going on. You gotta be careful and screen accordingly on Airbnb. Um, just because those, those Airbnb guests will destroy your properties, just be careful uh, during this time. And it is a tough time, like no doubt about it. It's tough for the tenants, it's tough for the landlords more than, more than ever too. But um, yeah, it's, it's gonna be hard. I wish, I wish that landlords get a subsidy. Like if a landlord, if, they're, if they have 20 properties and that's their full-time job, they make 50 grand a year profit after all their expenses, then you know, it, it feels to me like there should be a bailout. Like the government is giving 2,000 stimulus to everyone. They should be giving 2,000 stimulus to the landlord saying, hey, like we've told tenants not to pay. We're allowing no evictions right now. So for this time being, we'll, we'll support you. Um, you've lost your job because landlord's a job, right? And that's why all the people jump on. You always hear those videos like, oh, passive income. Landlording is not passive income. It is a job. That's why I have property management in place. That's why I don't deal with it. I hate it. I hate property management. Um, I, any new properties that I buy, Property manager takes care of it. I don't do the tenant placement. I don't do the property management. The tenants can't contact me. Maybe they can find me on social media and they find out that I, I'm a partner or something, but I don't directly interface with anything. I, mean, I don't even make any decisions. I let them make the decisions. So I'm removed, right? I'm the investor and that's it. Uh, and that's for a reason, right? That's because the job sucks. And for all the landlords out there during this time, it sucks more than ever. And I, I feel for you, I'm, I'm there with you. Um, all we can do is push and lobby the government to to ensure tenants can pay rent. 
And at the end of the day, we're gonna have to pay the tax that's gonna then be given, the, the money that's gonna then be given to government that's then given to the poor, but at least, you know, it's not disproportionately put on the private landlord. At least all the wealthy people are paying tax together to cover those who are less fortunate during this time. We live in a socialist country, so there is a stimulus, there is a bailout, like it or not, it's the reality. Alex says, I feel like there are more bad tenants than good tenants, and that's what keeps me from investing in real estate. So Alex, there are a mix. Um, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of bad tenants out there. The bottom 10 or 20% of society, economically speaking, those folks are all tenants, and so you have to deal with those people, right? Um, tenants are on average poorer than homeowners, right? So your tenant group typically on average is a lower income and net worth and all that kind of stuff because people typically, when they have a lot of wealth, they just, they own, right? So yeah, your tenant group typically is poorer, um, but there are tons of great tenants too that are tenants by choice, not by circumstance, um, not by necessity. They actually could be owners, but just choose not to because they're in school or, you know, they're just here for two years on a, on a work thing or whatever, right? There's lots of those kind of tenants that are great too. So don't be afraid to invest in real estate. Just be afraid to rent to the wrong tenant. Do a good job screening your tenants or get your property manager to do a good job. At the end of the day, you could you could just, if you wanted to micromanage, you could approve every applicant your, your property manager puts in and all that sort of stuff. So, so many questions here. If I missed your question, by the way, um, I don't plan to take the four... Uh, forbearance either. I paid all my mortgages last night prior to collecting any rent money. Hey, there you go. I did the same thing. Um, I have cash reserves set aside. And I did that because, you know, it, it's not fair for me to use up that that government or that bank provided um, mortgage deferral when someone actually might need it who has one property and they really can't make their mortgage payment right now. Do you buy properties under personal name or corporation or the tax benefits and implications of both? That's a long question, KP. Um, I buy mostly in corp because I'm at a stage where it doesn't make sense to buy personally. On occasion, I'll buy personally. Um, for financing reasons, it makes sense to buy personally. You can get a much cheaper mortgage rate. Um, there are some advantages to buying personally, but liability-wise, I wanna own every, like if I buy a D or a C-class property with like a triplex with existing tenants, by the way, I hate to assume tenants, if I buy a property with tenants in it, it's almost like 99% of my tenant evictions, my tenant problems, all that came from me inheriting other people's tenants. I screen, I don't want to rent to a tenant with less than 800 credits. I don't want to rent to a tenant has got a bad credit score, no job. Those, like, those are things you want to screen for. And so if you inherit someone else's tenants, you don't know how they screen the tenants, right? And so try if you can to get vacant possession if you're really super worried um, about those things. So do that. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, Try to get vacant buildings if you can and do a really good job placing your tenants and you won't have these problems. Have you ever bought a new building to rent out? Kind of ashamed to have a new product abused by tenants. Yeah, so I've had that happen before. I've had tenants trash a property before. I had a bad property manager who placed some bad tenants before. I've had people do leasing for me who placed bad tenants for me. They didn't do a good enough job. I guess you always assume someone else is gonna take care of your property like 70% as well as you will. And that's just because like they don't have a stake in it, I guess. Um, but it's just the nature of like the property management beast. You do your best to try to screen for the best tenants. That's all you can do. Um, yeah, it's a shame when a tenant destroys a new property that you just just renovated. Like when you just painted and they they scratch your walls, it like it hurts inside, right? But it's a part of the cost of doing business. It's a part of doing business. 
How are partners and investors taking this hard time with rent? What are the expectations? And do you have plans for worst to best case scenarios? Yes, so it's a hard time for, for some of my property investors right now. Um, probably I'm gonna liquid, liquidate some of our properties during this time, to be honest. A few of my partners are gonna go through this hard time and be like, I can't carry six months of, of no cash flow, let's sell. And guess what? We bought at such a good discount, there's profit to be made, even selling now. And so, yeah, we, some, of my, some of my partners and I might sell and we'll create a war chest of cash. And my partners are reaching out and like, should we sell? If the market conditions are right, like in London, Ontario, they are. Um, we just came off the biggest like run we've ever seen in London, Ontario, and prices are the highest they've ever been. Now's a great time to sell. If you're my investor partners watching this, we should sell right now. The market is still hot. I don't know what it'll be like in six months. I know right now the market is hot. You should sell 100%. Take that war chest of cash, all that equity we've got there that we haven't refinanced out that's sitting there. If you're watching this, Let's take that equity, let's put it to work. Buy stocks right now on sale. Let's free up our equity in there. So there's a good opportunity, I think, right now to sell. I have a few properties. If you're looking for properties, I have a few that are going up right now in London, Ontario. I have an investor partner who's wanting to dump a, a triplex right now. Hit me up, it's over 1% rule in London, Ontario right now. I've got another property, a duplex. Um, I've got a single family. I got. I have several properties, I have a condo. If you want a condo for like under 300 grand here in London, it's like a four bedroom, um, three bath attached garage, hit me up. I got these things off MLS that I, I can connect my investor to you right now. We can cash out. Everyone's happy. You can get a deal under market value if you're bullish on investing right now. I'm in a position right now where my overall feeling is cash is king right now. And more than that, I'm fatigued. I'm tired of the BS of all the, like I got to manage my property managers and do all that kind of stuff. It's a job. And so for me, this is like my stage and you guys are probably not at my stage, but at my stage in the game, I wanna focus on the high value things that I love. And that is connecting people, deals, money, and doing advisory. That's it. I hate dealing with tenants, renovating. I'm good at it, don't get me wrong. I've done like 70 projects. I can, I can draw design floor plans off the back of my hand like really quick. I can, you know, um, I'm really good at placing tenants. I'm obviously really good at like all that kind of stuff, but hate doing it. And so for me personally, that's just a shift that I'm making. And I'm just like confessing that to people now. I was going to make that shift before Corona came. Um, now it's just another reason to want to do it. The market's still hot, time to sell. My investor who wanted to maybe hold for five years now is maybe saying, hey, this might be a good time for us to cash out. Uh, take some, take you know, six figures of equity off the table, split our profits and, and you know maybe get into another deal that's more fruitful and uh, be more levered up or take the capital and invest in stocks or just some of my investors are actually reaching out and saying, hey, I just want to invest with you, Mike, and, and give you like a fixed rate of return. Um, you know, you take the money, connect it to a deal. You know, I know so many people with deals who need funding that like people call me like, hey, Mike, I want a 10% return right now. I can connect that like that. I know people who want to borrow at 10, 11, 12% right now all day. So I can connect you with people, security against real estate. And you can get like, a, if you had a million bucks, you get a hundred grand a year, guaranteed. They don't pay you, take the property. And you, you invest like 75% loan to value. So even if the market crashes, your money's still safe in the property. The equity has gone, but you still have, your debt is there, 75% loan to value, right? So there's lots of stuff you can do right now to, to ensure that you survive and thrive through this recession. Next question. Okay, do you have any experience investing in other provinces? No, I don't. Um, I've not invested anywhere except for Ontario other than Orlando in the United States, so Florida. But um, yeah, no, mostly I stick to Ontario because I have an edge here. I have a competitive advantage here that, that 
you know, it's great. And I don't want to be in Manitoba. I don't want to be in, you know, Newfoundland. I've looked at real estate in those places. I went to Newfoundland and had some fun down there and went on vacation, looked at a bunch of properties down there. But I don't want to go down there. I want to deal with the manager there. I don't want to be going. Real estate's a physical, tangible thing. You have to go and like see the properties and, and touch it. And that's how you get the most return is by physically, you know, being involved in the project and being involved in the business. I don't want to buy businesses that I'm not involved in. I don't want to buy property that I'm not involved in, right? And when I can't give my property or my business the time that I need, I want to sell it. Um, because I, it's not fair to not give it the time that it needs. And uh, so that's why I invest in my local market because I can give it the time that it needs or my mentees can be here to give it the time that it needs. I think you're living in a bubble. I can't believe what's happening in the world. Yeah, to be honest, I am. I don't watch the news. Um, purposely try to avoid watching the news because it's noise. Um, it's just noise. And people are like, how many people, what percentage of the population is dead right now? 0.000000001%, something like that. Like, where people are dying of so many other things every day than this. But I don't know why this is making headlines. People are starving. Thousands of people, tens of thousands of people are dying of like starvation right now. But no one's talking about that. Um, yes, this virus is shutting down the economy. Yes, we're all quarantining. But there's lots of viruses out there always going around all the time that are also bad. Um, you should always practice social distancing. You should always wash your hands. You should always be like, the, the, the cleanliness practices and the social distancing is something you should have, we should all have in our lives going forward. I don't think the economy needs to stop, but I think we should all be careful um, with who knows what other superbugs could come around, right? And we obviously need to be careful with you know, ourselves. Um, but yeah, I don't think the world is collapsing. I think we'll be just fine you know, five years from now. It'll be like, we'll be looking back like any other recession. The, people were jumping out of buildings in 2008. Like, the stuff was crazy. People were killing themselves, right? Um, but the world went on. It wasn't a big deal. Like two years later, the market had, had roared back by 2010, 2011 to what it was in 2008. Through 2008 real estate crash, everyone was fine by 2011, 2012, 2013. Like the, the world moves on and we will be fine. Protect yourself and your family at this time. But if you're actually having anxiety right now and you're actually like, it, it's paralyzing you, it's okay. Um, you're gonna be okay during this time. I gotta do bedtime now. So would you ever consider selling off all your properties and putting your money into private lending and collecting super passive income? Do you think that is putting all your eggs in one basket? So Watts, um, yes. I am actively, I have been actively toiling or like thinking about the idea of setting up a private lending business for the last year or two. Um, I don't know if I ever will, but I've, I've always had this like, I guess way back in the day, I had like these three like main, I had lots of streams of wealth. I built like 10 streams of wealth. I thought like there was 10 things you should have your money in that produced income. I think I did a video on it like a year and a half ago. It's a really terrible production quality. It's like me and an iPhone. But if you go back and like find that, no, maybe Kyle filmed it. I don't know. But um, go back and through my videos, you'll find one of them where I talk about that. I get into a tangent about it. But basically the three big ones for me, or the four big ones for me, are like you should have a stock dividend portfolio with about a third of your wealth. For me, or a quarter of your wealth. I think you should have real estate, like rental properties that produce cash flow in your portfolio for about a quarter. I think you should have private lending to businesses or to real estate, ideally secured and securitized the GSA against the business and some real estate. I prefer real estate lending because I go 70% loan to value and I'm pretty protected. And the fourth is businesses. So I think you should have your money in stocks, paying dividends, cash flow, real estate, producing cash flow from rental income, private lending, producing at least 1% per month on your portfolio. So if you have a million bucks, you're getting 10 grand a month. And then also um, 
businesses. So buying businesses as an investor partner. Those four sources of income will forever cash flow for you. So that's where, I, that's where I'm putting my wealth. I have a quarter of my wealth in businesses, quarter of my wealth in stocks, quarter of my wealth in real estate, property holdings, and a quarter in private lending. That's how I, I'm working towards that, that. And within that, I'm gonna have several private mortgages to several different people. Within my stock portfolio, I'll hold hundreds of different stocks, ETFs, right? Within my real estate portfolio, I wanna have dozens of properties. I wanna be levered up as much as I can there. And then obviously my businesses, I'd like to have several businesses in the ideal world, right? The more diversity, the better. Then I've got hundreds of streams of income in those four categories, producing income. That's an ideal, solid financial plan you could work towards. If you had a million bucks, you could put 250,000 in all four of those categories. You'd be super solid. I know people who do the private lending full-time. That's all they do. It's a great way. Like if you had a million bucks, you get 10 grand a month passive income from that. That's great. That's private lending at 12%, 1% a month. You can find those deals, right? Maybe there's a month or two where you're trying to find a money to lend out. There's a bit of a time where you can't get it lent out, but reach out if you want me to find, I, I can connect you with people. I'm not a mortgage broker. So like legally I could just like give you a number of someone I know who probably wants to borrow money to buy for their own personal property. But, um, I wouldn't take any fee or anything. I just like hand you off or maybe I would borrow the money. Um, just depends, but you can reach out. Uh, Mike, did you go after the tenant that trashed your place or let it go? So there was two tenants that trashed my place. I had one that re ran a CBC article against me that trashed the house and uh, didn't pay any rent and then left. Um, no, I let it go. Um, he was going through a really hard mental illness struggle. And so I took a $10,000 loss. It was painful. Uh, the other tenant owed me 15,000 in back rent. We finally got an eviction order. It took nine months. Um, technical clerk errors and whatever else. Finally got them out. They were really great at the end. They're like, hey, um, you know, we're gonna pay you. We're gonna try to make a payment with you. And then after they moved out, I let them take other stuff out. They text me like, they're like, fuck you, motherfucker. I'm never gonna pee with Santa. I lied to your face. Hope you die. I'm like, man, this guy deserves, like this, I have a tenant who actually belongs in jail. Um, so they're con artists. The, 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 it's just crazy, man. Like just crazy stuff. Um, I haven't gone after them, but I should. I, I honestly should put it into collections and see what happens. Dividends have been cut and slashed. So Moses, they haven't really um, been cut or slashed. Most companies are paying a six to 9% yield right now in Canada. The big banks aren't cutting dividends. Um, a lot of utility companies, um, nobody's going to pay these private lenders. So Moses, as an example, like just to think through what you're saying, right? Because I don't think you've thought through it all. Um, if I had a property that was secured 65% loan to value, right? A $400,000 condo that I put a mortgage on it for 270. If they stop paying me mortgage payments, I will take their property from them, charge them an exorbitant amount of fees to take their equity, and then fire sale their property for 300 grand. It's worth 400, but I would fire sale it for 300, get my 270 back, and then keep the $30,000 extra in fees. That's how private lending works. If you don't get paid, you take the property. Um, so you're pretty safe. Um, the market hasn't collapsed. The, the things are, are, are pretty fine. Um, How many vendor takebacks do you have out there? So I have one. Um, everyone is going to default on those stupid leveraged loans. Leverage burns in this kind of market. No, I, I actually don't understand. I actually can't. Because I lend to people who have income that's tripled my payment every month. So if one of their three tenants pays, they can pay me the interest. I don't lend and take, take the kind of lending and, and risk that, you know, that I'm going to get crushed because I'm lending 70% loan to value, 75% loan to value, something like that, right? depends on the deal and how much I like it and how sure I am that I could sell it as a realtor myself, how sure I am that I could liquidate it. Um, but I pretend the market's gonna crash 10%. And by the way, 10% crash in London, Ontario is, is insane. 
Our market is roaring hot. Things are still growing right now. Well, there's lockdown. We're seeing eight, eight offers on properties. People are not backing down. Um, so we're actually, the market is still strong here, but let's just say it wasn't. Let's say we see the kind of collapses we saw before. You take back the property. I only lend on properties that I like, on properties that cash flow. So if I have to take the property and I can't sell it forever, let's just say worst case scenario, I lent on a property, 70% loan to value, and the market's crash. Like my $400,000 properties are selling for 300 grand, right? And like I had to take back this property and I can't sell it. Let's just say a worst case scenario. Guess what? I now own a property that I like that cash flows. I will hold till the market comes back. By the way, super chat. Aiden, how you doing? Sup? Uh, you must be back from uh, from a, a tour in the around the around the island, I guess. Good to see you. Appreciate the super chat. Thank you. Um, yeah. So I uh, I do feel like you know I want to get a debate here because I have to go talk my daughter into bed, and I've been on this stream for like with this stream and the stream before it, we're talking you know like an hour and a half now. But um, you know I, I think people are taking risks. I'm very risk averse in my lending strategy, so I like to lend on the properties that cash flow. I prefer you know, to take less risk, that's just me. And so during these times as a private lender, you should tighten up a bit. Tighten up your, your loan to value maybe. Go, don't go more than 80% loan to value. Um, you know, make sure you have enough security. Make sure you're lending to people who have wealth. Lend to someone who's rich, who actually has a lot of money, so that if the property goes south, you just sue their personal assets too, on top of that, right? Um, don't take too many, like, I'm not even that levered to be honest. Like, I'm really not. I probably like, geez, like, I could pull a lot of equity out of my properties right now, and I probably should, to be honest, right now I'm invested and, and the stocks are so cheap right now and, and buy more real estate, to be honest, it's a smart way to do it. Leverage is good. Owning real estate in cash is stupid. If you own real estate in cash, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll say it this way. If you're flipping, you can own real estate in cash. That can make sense. If you, you know, whoa, <laughs> that comment. <laughs> Um, what was I going to say? Um, I lost my train of thought. That was, that was ridiculous. Oh, it was my train of thought there about risk protection and mitigation. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, having a war chest of cash makes sense. That, that's it. I keep, I like to keep enough reserves that I can pay my mortgage payments for five more years. So if tenants didn't pay, I have five years of burn and no recessions ever lasted longer than two, two and a half years. So if you have enough cash, you're okay. I can't speak for the other guys, I don't know. Um, I can't speak for other people, I don't know what kind of things they're doing. Um, but leverage at 2.5% debt doesn't burn in this market. It's, it's the boon to your strategy. If you have real estate in cash, um, probably getting a bad return on your investment right now. So either way, it kind of sucks. Private lending is a joke, he says. Okay. Thank you for your feedback. Um, I think a blanket statement like that is is clearly not true. There are areas of private lending you need to be careful in this time. Unsecured private lending in this time is obviously something to be careful of. You have to have trust in the person and also I'll make sure they have cash reserves. Thinking of buying a starter home in Barry, what are your thoughts on that area? What skills would you recommend on improving during quarantine? Any books or recommendations? Uh, Nikki, wait. Um, well, keep an eye out. You might find a deal right now, but I think if you wait a little bit, you might find an even better deal once the roosters come home. Once the, what is it, the hen, the rooster comes home to roost. Is that the saying? People's mortgage deferrals catch up and they owe like, you know, several months of rent or whatever, those types of things or mortgages and that's going to catch up with them. You might find a deal. 
But uh, what do you do right now? You go read. You know, a book I loved was um, uh, Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. It's a good entry level book, but I love the automation he talks about in that book about being efficient with your time. It's something that like hits home for me because I'm so bad with my time. I just give, give, and give, and give my time. It's, it's a bad thing. Um, the other thing is um, early retirement extreme during a recession. The Renaissance man or woman theory or concept in that book is truer now more than ever and necessary now more than ever. So Early Retirement Extreme by Jacob Len Fisker. I have an original signed copy. I'm so proud of it. Uh, when I went and saw him in Chicago. And uh, Tim Ferriss's uh, Four Hour Work Week is a good one. There's a bunch of other books I could recommend too, but um, just start with those two. D. Howe, you talked about this sound thing last time. Um, there's not much you can really do um, about that. Like. You can't really force the construction people to stop other than like normal working business hours. And the tenants can't really, they can't get any rent reduction for it because it's not something you can really control. Um, and they're operating within legal hours. So there's not anything illegal going on right now, right? Like they're drilling at like midnight, right? Construction's allowed to happen. Especially if they have a billing permit, they're allowed by the city. Uh, okay. There's too many questions here, guys. I gotta go. My wife wants me to come up and... Um, yeah, Hydro One and Bridge, good good calls. Um, all great comments here, so many good comments. If I missed your comments, um, oh, there's so many that I wanna answer right now. I could keep going for another half hour. Um, so Chestwood stock is like 3% of my stock portfolio. Um, that stock's been destroyed. I was completely wrong on that stock. Um, it paid me dividends for the last three years. And so I made like a 30% return from, or. 27% return from dividends, so I'm happy at that, but then obviously the, the crash is bad. My Airbnb property, yes, I bought at probably the worst time. However, over a five-year period, I think that we're gonna have a lot of profit. The property can generate about $125,000 a year, net income, net, net. So over a five-year period, I think I'll probably have one year that's gonna be bad and four years that are gonna be phenomenal. And so I think I'm gonna make probably three, $400,000 USD over a five-year period on the property. We also bought it a hundred, well over 100,000, in my opinion, 150,000 below appraised value. When we bought it, the appraiser gave us an appraisal report of $100,000 more than we bought it for. So when I buy property, they go above the purchase price. Like, how did you buy it for this price? So we bought at such a discount that like we probably lost $100,000 in equity we already, well, the market hasn't actually corrected yet in, in, Florida, in Orlando. Prices haven't changed, it's just stagnant. We don't know what's gonna happen yet. But let's just say there's a 10% correction, even a 15% correction, I'm still not underwater at all because I bought it for 15% below market value. So at 15%, I've lost nothing. Um, so I'm feeling fine about that property long-term. I'm smart in how I, how I handle it. My Airbnb properties, uh, Moses, uh, by the way, uh, turning those Airbnbs into furnished rentals right now to bring in rental income. So yes, we'll have a month or two of, of loss, but it's about acting quickly. Remember I talked about fail fast forward. When you realize you've gone into a, a recession, you have to act differently. You have to cut costs and, and behave in a different manner. We were gonna renovate my mansion, for instance, in Orlando, that property there. We we're gonna renovate it anyway. There was a 90 day or 120 day renovation we need to do on the property anyway. So now's a good time to do it. We're gonna renovate it and turn it into the Harry Potter theme thing. So it's ready for the fall. We were gonna do that anyway. Now we don't get to lose out on all that revenue because it's rented anyway. Um, so it's, it's really not a huge um, problem at all because I was planning to have it empty and vacant while we renovated it. So it's, it's not as huge of a problem as you might think. So I'm smart in how I invest. And so I can afford these things to happen with all these you know, terrible events happening. I probably am getting like closer to break even returns right now on some properties. 
And so that's okay. I'll break even. I'll be okay. Uh, we have the cash reserves to make it through here. And over a five-year period, we're going to look back and we're going to be feeling great about it. So now's the time. If the market does crash, it will be a time to buy more. I'll buy more properties in Orlando. And then five years from now, I'll be super grateful that I did. So let's look at the positives. Thank you all so much for watching. I really have to go. Um, my daughter's bedtime and I've given you two streams tonight and this one was an hour and 15 minutes long almost now. So I appreciate the super chats and thank you all so much for, uh, for watching. All of you who are the loyal fans, I appreciate you. And the dissenters or those who have dissenting opinions, as long as it's not troll, I appreciate that too because it gets me thinking. I go back and look over the comments. If I missed your comment, when this video ends, repost it in the comments and I'll have a look and I'm happy to answer and tonight on my phone. So, but I appreciate dissenting opinion. I'm not one who hates dissenting opinion. I like it when someone has a different opinion than mine because it challenges me to think and say, hey, am I right? Are my beliefs founded in logic and data at the end of the day? If they aren't, do I need to course correct? I'm happy to course correct. I'm happy to admit when I'm wrong. The reason I've succeeded as well as I have is because I'm continually course correcting. I don't always know the best way. And because I'm constantly working towards perfection, I'm doing better than I would have otherwise done. So I'm open to critique, I'm open to learning. I am working on building my cash war chest. I do have a big plan to succeed in this recession. It's gonna take me to an eight figure um, net worth. Get me out of the seven figure net worth into the eight figure net worth. So that's my plan over this time. I'm really excited about it. Um, thank you all so much for watching and I'll keep you guys updated with how things go, are going. I'm still buying real estate right now. I'm still you know, working through and things are going okay. At the end of the day, it's gonna be okay. If you're watching this and you're suffering right now, you're a small-time landlord or you're a tenant or whatever, you got a real estate or a stock portfolio that's been slashed. I can feel the pain with you. Parts of my businesses have been affected. We'll be okay. Continue to course correct. Don't give up. Work harder now more than ever and keep costs lean. Thank you all so much for watching and I'll see you next Wednesday around 7 p.m. Eastern and I'll see you in the comments. And by the way, if you're still watching this on replay and you want me to bring back a second video where I just go on my phone and do like a video like I used to do, where I used to release you know, another weekly video, I might bring that back again. I've been at home, I got the time. Um, I might bring that back. So jump in the comments if you wanna see that. Um, and if you've been watching, just jump in the comments and, and say hi. Thanks everyone. Have a good Wednesday. I'll see you on Instagram at Mike Rosehart.